gentlemen, welcome to episode 129 of the G.I. Joe Book Podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm joined by my pals. Has possibly got night vision Paul. <laughs> and... Zombie Cujo, fresh off the road. We're ready to talk to some Southern California people. <laughs> Don't be coy. Our fourth member is a guest. His name has been battered around this podcast since practically the day we began. He's a fellow Southern Californian, as Cujo mentioned, and he goes by the name of David. Hello, David. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. It's about damn time. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, sir. You found us in the early days and have become a great pen pal ever since. Uh, It's clear that... Your enthusiasm for G.I. Joe rivals our own. There are a few other things that you're enthusiastic about, and uh, we don't discriminate here on G.I. Joe Berg. <laughs> uh, amongst other things, you are a Transformers fan, and do the whisperings I hear uh, ring true that you're also a, a huge Gundam fan? Well, I just got into the Gundam franchise this past summer, so I'm just... Uh, getting into it right now, actually. Oh, it's a slippery slope, man. It's mm-hmm. some good stuff. Very good. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly those model kits will start uh, finding their way into your house, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I am actually in Johannesburg at the moment. I am in Paul's presence, and I am surrounded by Gundam. The guy, like... Th- this is a man of many vices, okay? I, I can't tell... Which is edging out the other? Is it G.I. Joe? Is it Gundam? Is it Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, <laughs> which which one of his vices is the, the, sort of the principal one? It's, it's, it's almost impossible to say. For you, Dave, where would you say your interests lie the most? I mean, if you kind of draw up a pie chart. <laughs> I know this is a cruel thing to do on a G.I. Joe podcast, but, like, are you more in favor with Transformers at the moment? Well, actually, you know what? Um, I was... I, I started off with G.I. Joe first, so it, it was it will it will always be G.I. Joe first for me. That was my my baby getting into it. And then Transformers came a little bit later on. So as of right now, though, with um, just the excitement about G.I. Joe, I feel like I'm I'm now tur- turning my interest back into G.I. Joe and kind of just like. I don't really care about Transformers anymore. Oh, man. Well, those first impressions are. Yeah, difficult to shake. I think anyone who is a, a total diehard G.I. Joe fan has kind of passing fads, but like this is the one that, that just it feels like home to us, you know. Something oh, about yeah. the scaling, the vehicles, the equipment, the characters. Um, yes, sir. Yep, yep. Speaking of, your favorite G.I. Joe and your favorite Cobra. Ooh, who's Ooh. it going to be? All right. Well, uh, I, I think you already know that my favorite G.I. Joe is um, Flint. <laughs> oh yeah go, go with the the 80 the 85 figure um specifically nice and then as for cobra wow you know what i i will have to go with um uh faceplate cobra commander good man you can't, you can't yeah. knock that gee whiz cool what is it about uh good old mirror face that uh just tops every other cobra you know i think just his personality especially through the cartoon Mm. um you know you you kind of hate hate the guy but then you grow to love him especially in season three (laughs) and you kind of sympathize him with uh with him through the movie yeah so and then 
just fast forward to now, he's just a, a an icon that, you know, when you think about G.I. Joe and Cobra, you can't just help but think about Cobra Commander as the, the main guy. Yeah, man. And I know Kujo has a personal affinity for just a villain with a mirrored face. You know, he's reflecting the world back at itself. Ain't that when right, I, Kuj? Wake up, boy. Wake up. We're podcasting. I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, dude. When I was talking uh, Cobra Commander with Hanma, when I said mirror face, I was I was looking at his face to see if if he did that or if he was keen on that design aesthetic. It didn't shake him, so that may have been. I don't know if he designed Cobra Commander, but he definitely was aware what Cobra Commander was supposed to be. There's always been a very, very neat divide between pundits of mirror face versus the sort of more cult leaderish rag face. Mm, and yeah. I still can't decide, man. I guess what, what, what edged it in favor of the rag is the fact that the classic figure is a slightly darker blue that always looks a bit more regal. But yeah, you can't knock that battle helmet. It is exquisite. Cool. So I, I'm interested, though. You say 85 Flint particularly is your favorite version. Did you have him growing up? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, oh, actually, yeah. I, I actually already had him. There was a, a moment where my dad took me to like an old toy store and uh, he gave me the choice to pick out, you know, any fig, any G.I. Joe figure. And I saw like another fresh 85 Flint and I said, you know, I just want to pick that one. So that that figure has resonated with me for a long time, especially with that, you know, his his smirk on that on that face, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it does leave an impression. So you got a duplicate, in other words, like you just wanted another one. Awesome. Yes, sir. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I probably would be the same with a far less known, far less exposed, uh, far less like characteristic character, uh, that being Shockwave, just because he looks cool. I mean, it's hard to to get away from the fact that like if you use that figure as your primary protagonist... You can't shake it. It's going to endure forever because you imbued that character with with character, even if it wasn't getting love from media and uh, yeah, comic books, cartoons. In your case, you imprinted on a character who was getting a lot of love and had that most incredible Bill Ratner voicing him. I mean, I, when, I, when, I, when I think of Flint in my head, that is the voice that I think of. Oh, definitely. That guy's awesome. Oh, I can't, I can't argue with that. Wouldn't mind interviewing him on the show, actually. <laughs> yeah, I he's, love he's, that silky smooth voice. On he's done podcast. a few podcasts. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I've always kind of, like, tried to hunt down podcasts that got the original voice cast, because those guys are full of stories, man. Him and yeah. Michael Bell, Morgan Lofting. And I mean, mm. you guys can talk shop because I mean, you you have an, uh, an insight into that industry at least from your perspective as well. <laughs> uh, I mean, not 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 the same industry as they're in, but I mean, you know, you've done voice. Uh, you've done okay, yeah, yeah. Um, they've done enduring cartoons that uh, we watch to this day, in spite of them being <laughs> over thirty years old. I do Indian soap opera that <laughs> like, couldn't you know, be forgotten quickly enough. Oh, but I'm sure you guys will have a great laugh or, or two about that, all all of that stuff. You know, I don't know, but uh, the rerun starts at about eleven p.m. local. Do you want to watch me? <laughs> or yeah. listen to me? Incidentally, you can catch Moosebox at 4.30 on DSTV. Oh, <laughs> the plugs are merciless. <laughs> Dave, favorite vehicle. What's it going to be? Man, you know what? This was a tough one, but I think I'm going to go with... This is kind of an obscure one, but 
1993 Mudbuster. Um, <laughs> no, no. I'm, the man's got a point. Yeah, as a little kid, I, I would always... That, that was my main vehicle because I, I would line up my Joes and then I would ha- I, I would use the missile to just knock them down one by one. And that was one vehicle that I could just take out with me and just like roll around that I felt like had some durability to it. Mm-hmm. It's important, man. If it feels like eggshell in your hands, it's not going to get much action. Right. If it feels, if it feels tough. And mm-hmm. I've oh, never actually sure. held a mud buster, but it looks well sculpted compact but you know it seats guys comfortably like they sit quite deep in that cab and it's got a back section i mean it's yes it's gi joe doing a really real world looking pickup that's cool the only change i would make and i mean the fact that you say you enjoyed the launcher as a child gives it some redemption but like looking back as an adult i don't know a a more um uh, imagination um a based weapon might have been more fun than a, a spring-fired one. I think that's every adult collector's lament. It's like, mm, 90s vehicles had something, but then they kind of always had the spring-fire gimmick. Just <laughs> kind of mm, knocking them down a peg or two. You said you couldn't ignore the Flint uh, figure. So the card art grabbed you, or his plastic mold, his weapons, or the cartoon? It, it will... Um pretty much everything about about that figure when when i saw that figure he was in a plastic bag so i didn't have the the card art to like grab me but just seeing him like in a store and he was he looked more fresh than my my other one um like like i said again that that face you know that eyebrow that smirk he just looked different than all the other joes every other joe just kind of looked like a regular while this guy he had some personality to his to his face he has got some swagger. And we are yeah. definitely going to interrogate Flint as a leadership character in the main topic of our discussion this evening. You see, Dave's of the opinion that uh, in more than a few instances, Flint is shown to be a truer field commander than even Duke. Oof. So we're going to have an interesting debate on our hands in just a bit. But first up, gents, going around the horn... Anyone got some new buzz they want to talk about? We got comic book talk. I know I am uh, recently throwing myself down a rabbit hole of very obscure toys, <laughs> which I can mention. Paul, you got anything you want to throw into the cauldron? Um, I, I certainly do, um, and it's an, an ongoing saga, but I purchased a real-grade Sasabi from Gundam uh, the other day. Uh, which hasn't arrived, well, which did arrive at my post office, and then they decided to send it to another post office, and in, and this is how the South African Post Service works, aka it doesn't. They've now somehow sent it back to Japan. So, uh, dear listeners, let's hope that I get my sasabi, because I'm really dying for my real great sasabi. Uh, but that's about the only cool new thing I've got in my life. <laughs> is, it, is it cool? Is it cool? The real grade Sasabi is like amazing. They're actually touting it as the best real grade ever done. Like ever. It's like in some ways they reckon it's better than the master grade. Although... Who's touting it? People who want your money. No, no. The the Gundam... A lot of the... Buy our new one. It's no, no, better the, than all the old ones. No, I, I gotta say Japanese marketing is not really like that. Um, it's actually more the reviewers. The reviewers are, are like really happy about this because real grades tend to sort of work on a scale between of being aesthetically awesome but extremely fragile as Stephen has experienced himself 
and I've experienced, I've broken a real grade before, um, to having... <laughs> I'm sorry I broke your toy. No, man, it, I fixed it. It's no problem. It's no issue. But I mean, like, something as awesome as this, uh, as the Sananju, which was from the Gundam Unicorn series, which is now airing on Netflix, for those of you listening, I believe it's also on American Netflix, you can see how amazingly awesome that uh, mecha is. And they did a real grade, and the real grade is stunning, except for the fact that it's got, like, a lot of bad engineering. So it's kind of floppy, so you have to do a lot of work. And then comes this Sasabi, like, this, this, this godsend of a Gundam model kit. And I, for some reason, haven't got it in my paws. <laughs> it's really irritating me. Fate has intervened. Yes. Cooj, you got anything new you want to throw into, uh, into the cauldron yourself? Actually, you dropped a name a couple of chats back that kind of stuck with me, so I I dug in. Um, you mentioned that Marie Severin was the penciler on Joe for uh, G.I. Joe number 28. Uh, that week that we talked about her, she actually passed away, so I thought I'd do a little send-up. Um, some other books she worked on that caught my attention. She was the colorist on the 2001 Space Odyssey comic. I know you can see those panels, Cabal. Um, yeah. Logan's Run comic. That's oh, not cool. nothing. Wow. wow. Vintage sci-fi. That's her thing. Yeah, colorist on Star Wars number one. And last but not least, creator of Spider-Woman. So enjoy wow. that. Uh, cheers, Marie. Nice nice job. Uh, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't she, or isn't she the reason that comic artists get to keep their pages? Because, um, back in the day, uh, in the 70s, for, uh, well, as early as the 70s, uh, comic artists didn't actually own the rights to their pages anymore. So they would do the page and basically submit it to Marvel and or DC. Um, and that was the norm. And I think she was the reason, or is the reason... Why comic artists actually were able to get contracted, well, proper contracts drafted and are actually allowed to keep their pages. So in other words, you know, you do your comic art page, it gets submitted, it gets Xeroxed, and then the inkers ink it, and then the colorists color it, and then it get published in the book. But at least you maintain the rights to your original artwork, which you can then at least sell for extra money. Because, you know, comic arts is not exactly a Ferrari-owning um, <laughs> uh, career, unless you're like Todd McFarlane or Jim Lee or, you know, one of the, like, really well-known names. Um, the Image 7. Yeah, the Image 7. <laughs> Rob uh, Yeah, the, ra- the Rebel Rousers, yeah. yeah. And uh, I Can Draw Feet, uh, sort of. <laughs> Rob Liefeld. Um, but, yeah, so that was... I think she was involved in that. I think she was the reason. I remember long ago Larry Homer posting something about, hey guys, like, you know, this is the reason why you get, you know, you can sell your comic pages or whatever now because of this woman. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. When you mentioned Hama, it reminds me of somebody in our Joe community. I do know that one, one of the people in our community is, is creating a comic called Cyborg, I believe. Um, so when that gets going, well, we should chat him up and let this plane fly over. But... Yeah. Dramatic? Always. I know Larry Hama had a uh, solid weekend at New York Comic Convention, as did Michelle Thief. As did my buddy Warren. (laughs) He was there too. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there. (laughs) You crushed Cujo's nice segue. (laughs) Sorry, but he is doing cool stuff there. Michelle Thief. G.I. Joe. R.D.W. The Triad has united. 
<laughs> what can we expect, Dave? And firstly, explain your uh, your relation to him because I mean you seem to be a big fan by by all indications. You put me onto him by uh, very generously um, getting that Copra Volume One and Two for us. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Actually, I I got into Michelle uh, Fife and GI Joberg at the same time. What? So you guys, okay? So. G.I. Joe Berg brought me back to, you know, to love G.I. Joe, while Michelle Fife brought me back to, um, like, loving comic books again. Because for a time, I, I wasn't into either. I was, you know, just getting out of college, starting my job, and then I was looking for podcasts, and I found G.I. Joe Berg, and then I started to discover Michelle Fife, who brought back, you know, um, brought back my love for, like, those old 80s comic books so that uh, i just became a, a fan of both of you guys uh during that time and and corresponded with with you guys simultaneously so it's it's really just it's all coming to a head now it's it's finally like man i'm glad that michelle fife and gi joe is finally crossing over together hopefully uh hopefully michelle will, will get to work with gi joberg <laughs> to do a comic or something you know that's so cool. <laughs> it's it's funny that you mentioned the word crescendo because didn't they say at the panel that like this was going to be a book of GI Joe's greatest hits, almost implying that like this is a send off. Did you feel that? You know, you know what, Cujo, I I I was doing my best to find any like footage or information about about that panel. The only information that I got was from newsarama.com. And they only just said, like, they only posted, like, two sentences about it. Like, Michelle Fife said, this is a big action movie in three issues. And then that was it. I didn't really get anything else. Plus, huh. I got, um, I found a, another guy that was at that panel. Um, and he just took a picture of it. And he said, yeah, this mixes elements from all the eras. So that's all I got from Michelle Fife. Well, there's some interesting rumbling um, in the in the Joe verse. Well, not the Joe verse, but should I say in Joe fandom? Um, well, some something has definitely got us rumbling. Um, the first thing uh, that I want to mention is there was a new uh, sideshow statue of um, Storm Shadow uh, unveiled at New York Comic Con at the sideshow stand. He looks very cool. It's very much a, I would say, a more of an anime styled kind of uh, look. Uh, it's very clean. It's not as realistic uh, or as detailed as anything else that they've done for G.I. Joe. But uh, top marks for including the top of the ferret. Yes, <laughs> which is very cool. I'm sorry. I'm a vehicle guy. My favorite characters are vehicles. And if you include a G.I. Joe vehicle, hell, they even made the, the bright red, red yeah. like uh, dual guns look legit. It's very cool. It's so good. I almost wish they had a full-size ATV that he's sort of riding. Well, I mean... That would be one heck of a statue, but like... Oof. Yeah, man. Don't go for half measures when you can include the whole thing. And then Ghost the riding thing, a ferret. And then the sort other of thing. a ferret's like chopped in half. Or like just the top third, basically. And I imagine that this was unveiled at um, the Tokyo Hobby Show um, in Shizuoka. Um, the, which happened about a week ago or a week before this uh, recording, um, they unveiled uh, Bishojo or artwork for Shinyo Yamashida's uh, Bishojo line, 
and they are G.I. Joes in those artworks. Um, Lady yes. J, Scarlet, uh, the Baroness, uh, Hi, uh, that's crazy. Are those action figures? Those are statues. Statu- those are statuettes. No. They're going to be this big. I can show you. I've got one. I've got a Bishoja statue in my studio. I'm sure you do. And I have absolutely no interest in <laughs> well, there you go, a, a but toy that's... that doesn't articulate. No, I understand that. But like, let me, let me just put this out there. Um, Bishoujo, every time Bishoujo does something or somebody does something in that line, it's often um, like, it's not, a, it's not a small thing. It's a big thing. It's like, it means that that product or that property is somehow in the spotlight. So there must be, I mean, if Sideshow's got a statue, Bishoujo have got a lineup that they're planning on doing, and they've got Shinya Yamash- Yamashita to do, the, um, to do the artwork for this. I'm, I think that we're going to see some serious G.I. Joe news within the next few months. Like, big stuff. There's gonna, there's, something's going to be happening. Especially with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, comic. So, or FIFA, yeah. <laughs> yeah, comic, we've, yeah. We've, we've definitely butchered his name, unfortunately. that name. Sorry, Ben. But uh, I, think, I think big things are coming. Uh, maybe not like, like uh, apocalyptic things, but like, I think we, we're going to get some kind of Joe explosion soon. I don't know, Paul. I think that there's just like an awareness that there's still a G.I. Joe dollar to be tapped into. They've got aging fans who will buy high-ticket items like statues. True. And, and you know, and short mini-series, you know, with trade paperbacks and stuff. Like, what everyone's saying is, like, for G.I. Joe to be passed on to the next generation, there needs to be an entry point there. Yeah. And there was a very interesting post I read on Facebook, actually, about... Making a kid-friendly G.I. Joe cartoon. Like, apparently Transformers have something called Rescue Bots or something like that. Yeah, I've seen that. Which... Moment. I mean, I've seen that stuff. Sorry, I'm not a kid, so it's it doesn't basic, feel to me the same It's basic. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, mm. once you've got them at the sort of formative years, and they've got an awareness of the characters... That investment is made. Then you can have cartoons that are a little bit more all ages. Yeah, that's true. And at I've... least then children are buying the toys again. Every child knows Optimus Prime. Not every child knows Duke or the Baroness. This is that kind of one-size-fits-all is not working for Disney right now, though. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it could work for... It's possible. I think something like that could possibly work for Hasbro, like sort of that youth investment. I read somewhere... What, um, cutesy G.I. Joe and Cobra characters kind of yeah, in doing the... absolutely non-violent things like rescuing each other and going on adventures. Yeah, <laughs> or, you know, like, you know... You know, the Cobra's playing practical jokes on the Joes or whatever. But I also read... Um, <laughs> they all have super soakers instead of machine guns. Machine guns, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, They're like, I remember... setting. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so they, they run out onto the field with their nerfs. <laughs> you know, there, I know that there's a general consensus amongst uh, fans or even non-fans that, you know, the reason that G.I. Joe isn't popular is because of its military theme. Um, military and, terrorism and death, all that, right? Warfare, yeah. Okay, it's a tough show. But I read somebody else's article recently, which has actually changed my my point of view. And I will try and dig and find that article. Uh, actually, something that's quite interesting about GI Joe, and and it's in the comics and the co- uh, animated series, is that um, GI Joe is slightly anti-authority. Um, yeah, that's Homer for you, baby. Yeah, well, there you go. And even in the cartoon, there are multiple instances in the cartoon where it almost feels like the government is also an enemy to G.I. Joe. Well, there's that trope that we, we see played there out yeah. where, you know, budgetary constraints are being added to G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. They don't have ammunition. 
they don't have you know i think it was in the uh, arise repentor arise or yeah. or the uh, the oh, what was the the i think it was a two-parter where duke gets um uh the, the synthoid conspiracy conspiracy yeah yeah they want to shut down gi joe same thing with um uh, Hector Ramirez, uh, he, he's also <laughs> Hector trying to Ramirez. get G.I. Joe shut down. Like, yeah, there, there is a level of, like... Um, Anti-establishment. Anti-establishment, G.I. Joe having to go outside of the military-industrial complex to prove that they are a valid peacekeeping force or freedom-fighting force. Um, uh, yeah, so, like... Where am I going with this? Well, I mean, like... <laughs> the jugglers in the comic books. Yeah. Well, you're just helping to prove my point. Once upon a time, <laughs> someone suggested an angle where kids were playing with figures. Like you could do that, where you could you could have a cartoon about kids who play with GI Joe figures, and then introduce the older show where their play scenes are the action in the other <laughs> cartoons. That would be fucking meta awesome. Oh yeah, that'd be super meta. Super meta. You know what? Mm, I so think... super meta. I think I wrote a fanfic about it, uh, and a completely unreleased fanfic about it. Ooh, I'd love to read uh, it. Oh wow! Well, with uh, with um, Kindle Worlds no longer a thing, I'll just have to put it onto the interwebs for free. I everyone can read it. Yeah. I think uh, that if Hasbro spends a considerable amount of money and makes a a Fortnite style products for gi joe that that would be an amazing way to cement the brand within the minds of the youth and they could have totally done it (laughs) that bubble could be pretty flimsy though i mean they're chasing their like i've seen and i know this doesn't make a an ounce of sense really but i know like when the military teamed up with marvel like it backfired people were like why is there military propaganda in a superhero comic but like 60% of the people in our country work for the MIC, you know, is that right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it's, uh, people don't dislike the military. They just want the military to be portrayed in ways. And the military loves to collaborate. They love to collaborate with creatives. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems a natural fit that you could have a Joe carrying a gun and then have that gun, have a file card or something. I don't know if that would hit though. I don't know, but there's money there. We can dream. <laughs> Yeah. We've discussed uh, his favorite toys. We've discussed uh, favorite vehicles. Um, and uh, we've discussed some Michelle Fife. I'm curious, Cabal. Uh, Fife. Fife. <laughs> Fife. Uh, Fife. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Sounds French. I should actually ask my German lady who also speaks French and maybe get her to look at it. She'll probably just like look at all of us and be like, it's... So and so, and we'll be like, okay. Love, anyway. love a boy can't go twenty minutes without talking without about his German my girlfriend. Sexy redheaded German girlfriend. Oh my goodness. I can't help myself. Anyway, but what I wanted to ask um, Dave was, out of all of the the GI Joe media at the moment, I mean, and and it wouldn't be fair to say which is your favorite. So maybe you can create a hierarchy. Are you a cartoon guy? Are you the comic book guy? Are you a modern comic book guy? Or are you a toy guy? Which is your favorite part of the media, of, of G.I. Joe media to relate to? What is, what is your favorite out of that? Haha, the question from left field. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one, but uh, I would probably go... I, I was definitely a cartoon guy at an early age. Because everything else trickled in there too. Because I would watch the cartoon... And then apply that to like my figures. So I would bring out all the figures that I watched and kind of re- replay that scene. And then my my dad was the one that preserved all of these things for me. So he had all the figures, 
he he recorded via uh, on VHS like the the GI Joe. It was on USA Cartoon Express, and then he had a he had a couple he had a a couple comic books left as well too. But the most that resonates with me is probably the cartoon because that's what I I would I would always go back to it even as a teenager, uh, which would probably lead me to why I like Flint so much was because he taught me how to you know. He taught me about like how to how to talk to girls, how to like. <laughs> I didn't know how to preempt you on that one. How to be a ladies' man. <laughs> yeah, how to be a ladies' man. So, oh. so I learned a lot <laughs> from from GI Joe, especially especially I know I know a lot of fans don't like the PSAs, but the PSAs taught me a lot about how to you know how to be respectful, how to you know all those good things about being a, a citizen, and um, so I I would probably say the cartoon is the one. That resonates most with me. I I think every Joe fan has a weird kind of appreciation for the PSAs, despite how many times they say they hate them. I think they secretly love them. I mean, you know. how else would I have not known to leave the medicine cabinet well alone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if Doc hadn't kind of like just just put peeked around the window, like, <laughs> hey. Don't take your mother's tablets. And and how you know and that is a lesson I think is even more important in today's day and age than it was back then, because I mean God knows like how many medications you know children's parents are on these days. You know <laughs> the last thing you want is a kid reaching in for like an aspirin and coming out with like a molly or something. <laughs> you know. So I don't yeah. Know what you're talking about, son? <laughs> I I'm just saying you know like, like we are a heavy heavily medicated generation of human oh wow. Beings. Hey Cabal, yo, is would you say that uh, is 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 your relationship with the GI Joe comic complicated? Like since IDW, because the series are all over the place. Uh, let's let's take a creator that we both enjoyed his book, Tom Scholey. You're a conservative cat. I mean, we know that he's bold. Like, how do you, how do you like how do you reconcile that? Man, you know what? Um, he for for one the his comic it it really reminded me of the old school stuff like you know i kind of when when i when his comic came out i kind of felt like like i lived in the 80s and i was going to pick up that comic and it just um screamed like old school sunbow old school marvel that that i really love because i I'm, I'm honestly not really picking up any comics lately but anything that idw comes out with Especially like those those one shot like it's not in continuity but it's its own continuity. It really uh, came out to me. Um, yeah, Tom Scholey he he had some crazy uh, he had some crazy ways of of doing things with GI Joe especially. Mm, out the box thinking, it always felt to me like he literally had all his GI Joe and Transformers toys sprawled out on his carpet and he's like, oh yeah. I'm gonna take the Defiant and wage war on Cybertron, and then <laughs> I'm gonna take Grimlock, make him fight Megatron. Megatron rips his tail and his head off and pops on on top of his head. Like it, it is very evocative. It's very like it's like how we would have played. I mean, it's got mm -hmm. that kind of quirkiness to it. It's, it's well, mm. it just it it doesn't have any inhibitions. That's why I connected with uh, that stuff so much. Yeah, that and the fact that it was a very generous gift from a, a member of this uh, panel this evening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was so exuberant. 
Um, it just made me excited about toys again. And immediately after putting down those books, I took up an action figure or two and a Transformer and kind of smashed them together for a bit. It was, yeah. yep. it was wonderful. Hmm. So hopefully Michelle can uncork some of that energy. If he's only got three three issues to prove himself or, or to, to do what he wants to do, it's going to be absolutely dialed up to 11, you know, 0 to 100. Um, and that's exciting stuff. I I can't wait. Yeah. But shall we switch gears, gentlemen? We've spoken a bit about Flint, uh, about him being ladies' man, about him being your favorite uh, action figure. Um, but in terms of leadership of G.I. Joe, there was definitely a handover in the cartoon between, I suppose, the first and second seasons, or the miniseries era, and the sort of full-blown 1985-is-in-effect kind of era, when we see Duke being sort of the primary protagonist, if, if you would even call him that, of the G.I. Joe team, uh, and then it's shifting very much into Flint and Lady J's territory. You would argue, if I'm summarizing you correctly, Dave, that Flint makes for the better man in charge. Would you even go as far as, as to say that in the eyes of the G.I. Joe unit at the time, Flint was calling the shots and Duke was kind of a non-starter? So one of my one of my big things of why I like Flint, um, as a kid, I remember watching the GI Joe movie, the 1987 one, and um, I I remember I you know I felt I felt bad for Lieutenant Falcon, you know he was he was getting you know um, you know and he deserved his punishment, but he was you know getting some cold shoulders with General Hawk, uh, Duke, everyone was just giving the guy a hard time, but I remember there was one guy that you know it was flint and he met with him later on and he he didn't really you know he was in the leadership position but he didn't give lieutenant falcon a you know he didn't he didn't treat him like a jerk he was you know he's like hey it's great to see you and that i think just that one part uh stood out to me the most was that you know he was he could have he could have given lieutenant falcon a cold shoulder but you know he he respected him and he gave him you know he gave him a chance Okay, it's, it's an interesting uh, moment to pick out because one might argue that like there's only room on the team for one beret wearing badass, <laughs> and so if you got Mr. Don Johnson soaking it up, like Flint's always going to take a, a a back seat. Interesting. They were they were the uh, the beret bros. Exactly. Yeah, it, it almost feels like uh, Flint should have been um, the, the the half brother to. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's Falcon. like the he's like the cooler older brother, uh, you know, kind of like because because for me and my family, I was I was the oldest, so I never really had a, an older brother figure. So I kind of looked at Flynn as like, hey, he's like the old the cooler older brother to me that you know would kind of hey, here's some advice, whatever you know. And there there was a handover in the comic book, if I'm remembering correctly, that uh, Duke actually introduces Flint onto the team. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In issue 37, he did. Yep. Very good. And what's your take on that? It, this is just my own personal thing, but I, I don't think they're, if you know, if they're real people, I don't think their relationship would be antagonistic. But um, I just felt like uh, Flint, Flint had more, more of character 
throughout the comic book series, we see here, you know, he he was flirting with Lady J. Um, he had some flaws like, you know, jealousy and pride. We even see him on like one of the, the G.I. Joe comic covers. Like he gets punched by Lady J. You know, he has to sure eat his pride, pride a little bit. Um, so for me, throughout the comic book series, it just seemed like he um, he was he was more represented more than Duke. I felt like Duke was kind of just there on the sidelines. He didn't really have like uh, any flaws or anything to to have a character development or growth. But throughout mm -hmm. the comic book series between issues one and one fifty five, we see that Flint was kind of like the main the main dude and. He was featured. Um, he was featured in fifty-six issues, and he was featured on 12, 12 of those covers. While <laughs> Duke was only in forty-six issues, and he was not really heavily featured in in six covers. So that was kind of empirical evidence. Gee whiz, Dave. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, those it's are my notes. Of... <laughs> <laughs> He's done his research. I've I've always had this like feeling about Duke uh, in that Duke is kind of like the mascot for GI Joe in a lot of ways, whereas Flint is the leader. <laughs> That's kind of how it's always felt for me. Um, it's like you, you put Flint, you just have a Flint, a picture of Flint or whatever, and the sort of average guy on the street will be like, okay, it's just a dude. But you have Duke, and then Duke sort of inspires memories of G.I. Joe. But then if you read G.I. Joe, um, I don't know, I personally find myself leaning more towards Flint. Um, and and I've just always found him to be a more sort of humanized character, as as you guys were mentioning before. Uh, Duke seems to have very little faults, uh, at least they reveal very little of his faults in in the in the story in the writing. Um, except that he's uh, he's clearly terrible at dealing with uh, you know his little brother's drug problem. <laughs> um, joke uh, jokes, but um, but even deeper than that. Old Duke is very, uh, very much somebody who suffers from the Cyclops syndrome. Um, Cyclops mm, from the X Men, right. of course. Um, Cyclops is a very cool character, and I've met people who think, who love Cyclops. He's like their favorite character. But I just remember growing up thinking that he was such a douchebag. <laughs> you know, that's the burden of leadership. Yeah. If I dial the clocks back to way, way back to 1997. <laughs> Back I can recall a, a issue of Wizard where they interviewed Larry Harmer about G.I. Joe. And on the one side, they listed his favorite characters. Um, guys like Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and Stalker were all represented on that side of the, the fence. And Scarlet as the ultimate, very capable, super deadly, super cunning uh, female operative and on the other side they had characters that didn't quite work out um, and he lists Duke as one of those that he kind of he was the first shirt and that's a very important function in a military unit but uh, Duke never really kind of got to play that role mm. and I would argue the reason Duke was kind of handicapped was because you had such strong voices in place already that had just a little bit more history, like Stalker. Like, Stalker was, you know, Snake Eyes' buddy, also excellent leader in the field, and also kind of like a, a mor moralizing agent in the G.I. Joe team. You know, he'd always mm -hmm. be the voice of, like, military ethical treatment. 
and conduct. You know, we, we fight for everyone's right to agree or disagree with us. Mm. You know, regardless of, we, we are fighting for your freedom to, to hate us if you want to, but we're, wow. we're, we're fighting against the tyranny that would compel you to, to follow us, you know. Mm, that's deep. Stuff like that really kind of robbed, I think, Duke of having any kind of three-dimensionality. Yeah, he's always a rules guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tough guy. Mm. And and not much crack in that facade. Whereas, as you say, Flint had dimensions, man. He had this... Well, the love interest with Lady J always kept things intriguing. Uh, gave him a, a, a humanizing element. Yeah. Uh, because he would feel jealousy or rage or betrayal or... You know, that, that punch that you referenced earlier, that came because he was angry that he'd not been that he, he felt like he felt foolish he had not been right. told that snake eyes and scarlet were embarking on this top secret you know ninja rescue of stalker and the joes that were captured in barovia he had reported in good faith that he saw them wiped out by a landmine so when he yeah. sees them alive and well he confronts them on that he gets angry and <laughs> lady j puts him in his in his place it's a terrific terrific character moment yeah i'm glad you brought brought that up Dave. would you then say that um flint is actually enhanced by duke it's like like do you I, think I, do you think flint would be a great character by himself or do you think he's a great character because of duke because of the juxtapositions should i say right you know actually i do have to give duke credit because like in the comics it was duke that brought him brought him on so they're you know they both you know, they, they knew each other before G.I. Joe, so they and he brought him on because I think they, they needed some help with, you know, some uh, their vehicles, their tactical um, stuff. And even in the cartoon, Duke gave way. He got captured and then Flint had to step in. So so I I I do have to give Duke credit because of that that situation that he he paved the way for Flint, I believe. Hmm. I wish we'd had more backstory on that. That they were army buddies from before. Right, right. Ooh, yeah. that we need that origin story. We need oh, that really. One. Yeah, I would <laughs> like to. I, I think that could be really interesting. We don't know anything. It could literally be anything. In GI Joe Renegades, they they even referenced that they played football against each other, and I think um, Flint sacked Duke, and Duke was a quarterback, and Flint sacked him or something like that. So they 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 play up that. Uh, that antagonistic rivalry, yeah, definitely in the G.I. Joe Renegade series. Starship Troopers Origins. <laughs> totally. Rico. <Out>. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> Including it, shower scene. Ooh. <laughs> what about the fact that nobody, or at least, I, I think Paul sniffed this one time while we were talking. Con- Conrad Hauser is the perfect soldier. Comrade Hauser. He's a German. Um, I think Hama saw the perfect soldier there. Uh, Duke is that buzz cut. You probably walk into a room and Duke is like six, seven shoulders, probably five feet wide. Like he's the guy that demoralizes you, you know? Yeah. But do you think Flint has a stature any less than that? I mean, look at their file, uh, their card arts and they both have the most supremely heroic poses oh they're so manly <laughs> i mean flint's even got like a power salute going on there i don't know what that's all about but <laughs> those forearms I mean, are impressive he's, dude <laughs> he's flexing hard dude oh man. Those, those sleeves are hanging on for dear life they're about to bust a seam okay who yeah. would play flint in a perfect world 
pick your actor for Flint. Oof, Ooh. Oh, shit, dude. Man. Um, oh, yeah, okay, you, you go first. No, 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 Paul, you go, you go. Go for it. I got a few. Um, I know that he, uh, there's been a lot of emphasis on him recently, but the guy who plays Cable... Uh, oh, Brolin. Yeah, Josh Brolin with dark hair. He's got that good stature, that like chiseled kind of look in his face, but he's still got that. He's still a charming looking guy, and he, you know, when he smiles, you, you know, you can light up a room. That's very, that's very much a Flint kind of thing for me. Um, Closer to Hawk. One? Oof. Uh, I'm thinking the younger Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth. Mm, yeah. Mm. If yeah. you if you if you want to go a little younger, I mean, he's, well, he's he's. He's a very handsome man. He also looks like he's he's quite built and, and quite you know statuesque, um, and yeah, like he's got a kind of a willowiness. Hmm, maybe he would need to work on a little bit more character, a little bit more fire. Who did you have in mind, Dave? Um, for for me, I I don't know if you guys know this guy, but his name is John Hamm. Um, and he's, yes, he Thank looks you. Sorry. like yeah, he looks like he he looks like that that Sunbow Flint, you know, kind of got that. A little um, meat on him, and kind of, you know, he's got a little bit of a smile and smirk to to his to his face that that would definitely bring that charm, especially to the ladies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I I've seen him recently in a role that wasn't because uh, he's in Mad Men. Um, right. Yeah, but I've seen him in like a bit of an action role recently, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I can Baby totally driver. see where you can. Uh, yeah, actually, there we go. yes. Oh yeah, and he's he's all over his co-star. Whoever. Well, you know what's cool about that movie is they said that's a better Joker Harley origin story than the one that they made. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I think Cabal nailed it for me, John Ham. <laughs> Ham's good, yeah. Oh damn, I'm I keep thinking of this Duke Flint origin story. I keep thinking of like Duke being this hard-assed, arrogant kind of, uh, you know, just. You know, sort of. Um, if you think of that movie, that uh, Tarantino movie, uh, where they uh, Inglorious Bastards, uh, like Brad Pitt's character, like I imagine, like young Duke to be like that, and then a young <laughs> no, Flint... Brad Pitt's in his fifties, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, like a younger, <laughs> like a Brad Pitt kind of that kind of character, and he's a bit like sort of balls to the wall. You know, he's he's like you know he's either going to, he's going one of two speeds asleep or really fast. Um, and then you got like this sort of you got Flint that's like a lot more sort of calm and maybe a bit unsure of himself. And then they get themselves into a situation that sort of um, completely changes that dynamic. Like you know it like it 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 humbles Duke, and then it sort of uh, puts Flint up on a on a higher notch. He actually gets his confidence from that. So like. You know, maybe it could be a case of Flint actually getting kidnapped for the first time and being tortured and being completely broken and Flint actually saving Duke, you know? And yeah. that that kind of... I mean, listen, this is like very like... They reference uh, it in, in Flint's file card mm-hmm. that he's, you know, conducted rescue missions behind enemy lines. I mean, that's that's where his, his uh, chopper pilot's, like, expertise really got carved out. And that's oh. a story that's that's that's. I'm dying for them to tell it. Hey, maybe, maybe we maybe, should tell it. Oh yeah. dear, we keep seeing these things, man. Instead, we just like sh- shooting the breeze on Skype with friends about GI Joe. I think I need to give you know what Bart a call about some military stuff. <laughs> I feel like I don't know you guys. I feel like you know just like Michelle Fife, 
you know, he, he, he wants to tell his own Suicide Squad story, but, you know, I don't think DC or Marvel would ever give him the chance. So he just did his own his own take, you know, kind of like Remnant. They look like Suicide Squad, but it's not. But I don't know. I, I think I think G.I. Joeberg should do that with just do your own G.I. Joe. I feel like you got a lot of fans that would definitely support that. You Though know, it's always tricky using someone else's IP. Uh, the alternative is to create your own world, but then there's no relatability. I think right. ideally I'd like to do both, but uh, anything G.I. Joe related would have to be a labor of love because there's no way we could ever make money out of Hasbro's toys, um, and which is why I like to shoot those little toy, uh, I don't know, narratives, stories. Um, by the way, if you are a fan of the Atlantis Factor on YouTube, I am shooting loads <laughs> i am not able to release them yet because i have had my laptop basically melt down i'm working on upgrading my hardware but until then i've scripted uh five more episodes i've shot three of them practically there will be a or if i can get to work a very very substantial reason why these episodes should be watched even if you don't care much for <laughs> the plotting there's yeah there's going to be a little bit of gi joe history made just to whet your appetites that should happen next year sometime <laughs> i just heard your voice crystal clear steven and i'm enjoying this conversation with five hour beverage we need some sponsorship for for the love <laughs> Uh, what's keeping you awake right now, Cujo? <laughs> Keep plugging that plug, boys. That's right. Yeah, man. Oh, it's <laughs> I don't know if I'm mad about like uh, podcasts that have advertisements jammed into the middle of them. Uh, I think it's actually died out. None of the podcasts that I'm currently listening to have like an advertisement break. It's like, nah, just, just don't do that. I basically listen to everybody in Joe Network and a bunch of other indie casts. I'm not a fan of the bumper stuff that comes on where it's like somebody else's voice like pushing their show. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, don't it like breaks that. the flow and I'm like, uh, it takes me a while to remind myself where, what I was listening to um, when we jump back into it. Anyways, that was a side note. But, um, sorry, but if you, or a, if you or anybody you know is suffering from crotch rot, I recommend <laughs> Crotch Fresh. Crotch Fresh can be bought over the counter at your nearest pharmacy or supermarket. Crotch Fresh. The number one choice for crotch rot. Flint never had those problems. <laughs> <laughs> Save the jokes Actually, for Rob. <laughs> just, just to hit an esoteric angle, but maybe it won't go anywhere. Or, But did you notice that uh, Tom Scholey in G.I. Joe Transformers, Duke had a Star of David on his dog tags? Did you catch that? No, I, I did not catch I didn't catch that. Um, so he must think Duke is somebody different than a German soldier. Oh, that's interesting. Probably. Yeah, Duke, Duke was featured a lot in that series. Flynn was on the, on the side during that. Yeah. Well, Duke is the guy who's doing push-ups like, while everybody else is relaxing. Flint's like, kind of got a toothpick in his mouth. He's like kind of Han Solo swagger. Is, it, is that right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it, Cujo. Yes, sir. Yeah. He did go headlong into those eels. He did do that. Yes. Yes. Didn't he have a shirt off as well? <laughs> he, yeah, it's yeah, just he like, yeah, and he was telling Scarlet, hey. <laughs> yeah, there was a scene, I remember that. Nice. And Scarlet said, You'll you'll do anything to, to take to you know to take off your shirt. 
whatever. Oh uh, yeah, I think I think that was actually in the fifties. That was like when they were rescuing uh, Snake Eyes from that brainwave scanner in Sierra Gordo, and and they they put Flint's shirts in the the cab of a, a steam engine. Yes, <laughs> something like that. And then Serpento blows it up with a bunch of Cobra Helos. <laughs> yeah, Scarlet does mouth off to him like, yeah, you just wanted to show off your muscles, didn't you? <laughs> Snake Eyes Snake Eyes also disguised himself as Flint too in that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Flint is becoming MVP clearly. Yes. But here's something that they can never take away from Duke. Okay, so the immortal battle cry that signaled the start of all the Sunbow cartoons. That was Duke, right? Yes. And then in the next season, when Flint is kind of pointing his finger <laughs> and saying, Yo, Joe, did you notice that it's the same voiceover? As, as Michael Bell, yeah. It's, it's Michael Bell, <laughs> it's not Bill Ratner. <laughs> no, yeah, they got one. I, they got one over Flint. Yeah, I caught wise to that uh, actually in a in Michael Bell interview saying that like, oh, was it? I think it was actually Bill who was saying like, that's not my voice. That's not my voice. That's Michael's voice. Michael should probably be getting royalties every time they use that. <laughs> I wonder if they told him. <laughs> Funny, man. Duke. Duke's the guy that swooped in and picked up the time bomb at the uh, intro of the G.I. Joe movie, right? Right. Oh, yeah. There we go. Case closed. Oh, really? Flint <laughs> had, in that opening, he had like four or five vipers on him, but he, he was able to get them all, all at once in that. What That's was Flint thing. doing? Oh yeah, that was Flint. He he oh, had like Flint four or five vipers on him, and then he basically just like kind of got all of them all at once. That was the <laughs> only thing to add. Hmm. That's, how, that's how we should settle every matchup. What were they doing in the G.I. Joe movie intro? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if we went by that standard, then Alpine should be getting serious props. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, even Alpine represented in that <laughs> in that intro. Gee whiz, and how. Alpine got a great feature. They included so many guys in that that sequence. It is it is yeah to this day magnificent. Oh, it's too cool. If you look at Flint and um, Duke's figures, they they both have like a smirk or a smile too as well. The the original vintage figures they have like that uh, amongst all the other figures. Shit eating grin. Yeah. <laughs> Flint is the kind of guy I want to grow up to be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I could only grow up. In the you know fantasy casting, like, okay, I don't know if he necessarily has the acting chops. Uh, I know a reviewer who I respect quite a great deal, a guy called Movie Bob, uh, is so very unconvinced of this man's ability to act. But like, just imagine Henry Cavill in oh, a beret. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Our outgoing Superman. Oh wow! Would make he would cut a pretty mean figure as, as Flint. Did you guys catch the Mission Impossible flick? That recent one? I no, didn't. No, no, dude, I got caught up in the wrist re- reloading phenomenon. Yeah, <laughs> and his beard. That, his beard would. <laughs> dude, I, I I defy you to watch that flick and then not just kind of daydream about Cavill's moves in it for at least half a day. It's outrageous. Has he got the moves, bro? Are you being facetious or is he really cool? No, he does this. He's in a he's in like a bathroom, kind of callback to True Lies, I think. And like he's <laughs> getting beat up and he kind of reloads his fist. He's like, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. 
Yeah. That's pretty badass. I have no idea what you're talking about, but uh, hopefully all will be revealed when I eventually get around to watching it. Mm-hmm. Of late, I think that's the probably the film that I am saddest to have not caught. I wasn't interested in seeing Predator, J- Jurassic Park or Predator, mm. and I don't think I'm likely to watch Venom on the big screen, guys. I don't know no, I'm not going to watch Venom on the big screen. But I am kind of keen for Aquaman, surprisingly. I think that might be the first DC movie... No, I lie. <laughs> Don't jinx it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it might. I was gonna say it might be the first uh, DC, you know, new DC movie I pay uh, price of admission to. But then I realized I actually did accidentally watch um, Suicide Squad. My bad. I was part of the problem. You know who would be a good uh, Duke um, to to go with your Henry Cavill, Steve? Mm. Chris Pine, Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor, Chris Pine. Stop I that. think he's got the right. Uh, vibe, but I, 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 I don't think I'm not feeling him as 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 Flint. I know why. I, I there oh, is we're something. Oh, talking about Duke now, bro. Oh, uh, Duke. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, Chris Pine for Duke. Yeah, that I can I can get down to, on that easy. No, you got you got to have somebody with a body type of like uh, who is that one guy in Guardians of the Galaxy, the wrestler? Duke's got to be freaking big, man. Right, right. Oh, so you're talking about like a John Cena type? Oh shit, John oh, Cena. Cena's yeah. uh, <laughs> an actor. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, you don't have to he be is. a great actor to be Duke. You know, you have to be a possible actor to be like a tentpole character on a feature film. Please, oh, please. Right. perfect. That's I don't want to see credible performances. I don't want to see meat puppets. I, I've always thought the best Duke was already on screen. Um, they just gave him the wrong name. Is the guy in the Aaron movies. Oh. Yeah, the guy in the Transformers okay. movies, um, the Josh. military dude. Josh yeah, Josh something. Duhamel. Duhamel. I thought oh it was God. great. I was like, that's Duke. I was actually waiting for that like to be the segue. I was like, when I saw him the first time, I was like, that's Duke. That's Falcon. That's where my mind went, you know? Yeah, I think you need someone with a bit more... Uh, I think he's got pretty age. good authority. I don't know. Like... Authority, a veteran. Mm. Someone who, who looks like they've seen some stuff. It's got to be... The embodiment of Duke Nukem. <laughs> uh, what? No. Duke Nukem is a dreadnought. Well, Duke personality Nukem is wise. Buzzer. Duke Nukem is buzzer. I actually think Duke Nukem should be a dreadnought. It just makes sense. Damn, that's a good call. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> the dreadnoughts have got a new veneer in my eyes. I love them now. Oh, I never now did. I see the light. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it actually took... Because I never got to play with them as a child. They always were kind of ignored. I had a monkey wrench, but he only found his way into, like, science fiction settings because I wanted that, like, that cool, edgy, like, Han Solo-ish, but, like, a little bit more, I don't know, bad. Yeah. (laughs) That too. Like, slimy, um, mean-spirited dude. Like, that. that's the kind of play pattern that he would find his way into. I didn't envision him in the G.I. Joe universe because he was... The only dreadnought I had. Now that I've got the full roster, like, Zorana's got a lot of focus from me these days. And the rest of the boys... That hair. They all kind of uh, figure into my my forthcoming webisode series. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, man. And that's that's one way of falling in love with these characters. The hype machine. Yeah, I spend a lot of time hunched over them in the sand with a camera in one hand. And a figure riding a ferret in the other. It's like, <laughs> gotta get this shot. Behave, buzzer. Behave. Oh, man. 
Good times. Orcs have some cool shades. Hmm. All of them have such a great look. Though, yeah, the, 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 the level of stonewash on their jeans... It's a little dated now. Over 9,000. <laughs> They're all wearing powder, powder blue pants, basically. Over hey, Cabal, how many uh, of the IDW series have you read? Like, at least three uh, of them, right? Yes. Uh, I, I've read the, the Costa, Mike Costa stuff. I read a little bit of Chuck Dixon stuff as well. I, I was actually I was actually uh, coming off strong from The Devil's Due... I didn't catch the IDW stuff until later, but mostly, mostly Costas is the one that sticks with me, actually. <laughs> the Cobra and the, um, and I think Flint was there too. Like he had a little bit of, um, they shaved his like, hair and stuff like that. And he had to disguise himself in a casino kind of thing. And um, that, uh, Mike Costa, that was a great one. Do you like it when the writers or the creators are, are, are really loud on social media, or do you prefer your creator to be more obscure, just as a fan? I, I, I don't really mind. I mean, I don't really mind what, how, how they are. I, I think I'm just, uh, I'm just there for the book, you know, and, and the, how, how they are online is kind of, you know, that's, that's their thing. So. How do you feel about Flint's receding headline on the figure? Oh damn! <laughs> I I know, right? He had Flint. The thing about the 1985 figure is one thing that I don't like about him is that he when he stands next to the Lady J, he's like shorter. <laughs> I think that has more to do with the fact that they upscaled Lady J slightly. I mean, she's tall. She's a tall yeah. figure by any yeah. standard. Mm. But you know that in its own way says a lot about Flint as well because I mean if he is shorter than her and she's still going for him that that says that he he you know he obviously sizes up in the right way for her. You know, I he's... think she's just a very statuesque woman. I mean, like a woman in the military. Like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. And well, yeah, I don't know how how tall Sigourney Weaver is. She always seemed quite lithe to me. But like Lady J, she's a strong woman. She's physically strong. Mm. Like, that's what I see when I see her. That's why she doesn't wear a, a leotard. She wears a jumpsuit. You know, she's, she's a combat soldier. I see her getting away with not being a petite woman, but like quite a tall... You could call you could call her imposing if you want. And I come back to this uh, tank commander friend that I, I met who was in the, the Dutch armed forces. You know, she is Amazonian. She's statuesque. She's a tall woman. And she looks strong, but she also looks feminine. It's a it's a magical sym- symphony. So I mean, does she have to only ever date really big guys? Hmm. You know, or or would a guy who is really secure in himself be okay with dating a woman who is taller than him? Who he maybe has to go on his tiptoes for? You know, it's, it's a new world. It's so, interesting. You know. It's hmm. an interesting power dynamic, and uh, you know. Unless you're actually on the inside of one of those kind of relationships. You definitely need a pillow, I'm sure. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, do you think in... I suppose, Dave, you break on the side that that the the action figures are incorrect. That Flint should be taller than than his girl. I don't mind, honestly, but it would be nice. Oh, is this a recent thing? Have I won you over? (laughs) Yeah, yep, yeah. You know what? Yeah, if it's in the toy, then it's gospel, and it's you know that then it's canon. Like if <laughs> if Lady J's toy is taller than Flint's, 
She's got to be taller. Yeah, she's wearing mind. risers. It's all right. She's wearing risers. She's messing with you, Dave. She totally is. I'm glad you brought that up. Cujo, it's impressive, man. You do actually know your toys, man. Uh. Clearly, you've played with these things before. You don't just talk about them and illustrate Do you them. like uh, the anime version of her, the one that Paul was referencing earlier? Does that, like, if you saw that look, does that work for you too? Because she's very, uh, you know, curvy. I think... That's not the problem. As an oddity, I would buy it if these three factors were, you know, all in alignment. I know the first thing that you're going to say. <laughs> what? No, I, you say it. No, 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 no. No, okay. I, I'm, I, I'm saying as an oddity, she doesn't have to be Joe Scale. Like, I, I already appreciate that these are... Well, now these are statues, so I wouldn't buy them. Mm. But I initially thought that these were renderings of concepts for action figures in an anime style. Mm. No, they're statues. And if they... Well, then, why am I even talking about this? <laughs> but if they were action figures, I think... If I saw it, if I had the means, you know, I would actually want to physically be able to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd pull the trigger. Because it's a it's an interesting reinterpretation. And as a Joe fan, yeah, I think having a kind of something that fills the miscellaneous box is fun. Our collections don't have to entirely be just action figures. They can be video games, comic books, and... Statues. Statues. No... Not for me, thanks. But as I say, if there were action figures of a different scale, a different style. But this comes into our conversation about whether we'd buy a six-inch G.I. Joe line. And I was like, mm. I don't know if I want to spread my focus that thin. Mm. But for something like Scarlet, for instance, to have like a, a perfect classic rendition of Scarlet would be great. Because, you know, her 82, 83 figure is dated. And it's tough for... G.I. Joe's premier female operative to not have a figure that, like, kind of looks right with the flowing hair, you know, all the little greeblies, you know, all the little instruments of death attached to her. The grenade, <laughs> the... Well, yeah, the, cool the, the derringer, the... Hell, mm. the catty. Yeah, it's all the, it's all the texture and the mold, yeah. Yeah, man, you want all that. You want the ultimate version. And the ultimate version has to have all of that. And, of course, not look but ugly. <laughs> I know I've said this on our Facebook um, page, on our Facebook group, but I want to say it here as well. There's a part of me, a big part of me, that would like to just buy one of those, just because, just for the sheer novelty that they've done a Bishoujo G.I. Joe line. I mean, that in itself is... That's awesome, okay? I mean, that's... that's an, I mean, I, I was there when they started these lines, when Shinya Yamashida did, first started these lines, first started these figures... I mean, I've got one of the first... I've got two of his original releases. and Would um, you default to Baroness? I will definitely oh, default to you've Baroness. You've got so many Baronesses, dude. You know, and you say that like it's a bad thing. Yeah, but, but <clears throat> variety's a spice of life, man. I, I agree. don't think the other G.I. Joe females are, are represented nearly enough. I Come agree, on. but I don't like the little girlness of the Scarlet and Lady J's faces. And that's actually what I wanted to say now. Are you saying There's... glasses ages you? No, I because just Baroness looks pretty coquettish and, and she does look very coquettish. Well. But there's just something about the Scarlet and the Lady J's uh, face sculpts that I'm just not a big fan of, and that's actually like it's a running theme with me. Like as if, uh, if I mean Steve can attest to this. I do not have a lot of anime girly statues. I've got a lot of statues of muscly men. Oh yeah, muscly men. No, <laughs> I got my Batgirls. I've got my Batgirl statues. I've got some Batman statues. 
And I've got my large Baroness statue and then something from Shadow of the Colossus. I don't really buy a lot of statues and things like that. And I've got a few Shinya statuettes as well. And those honestly are used a lot as drawing aids, believe it or not. Hmm. Uh, because I really like his proportions. And, and once again, if I see them in hand, it might change my perspective on it. And once again, I am curious. But there's just something about the, the depiction that I don't like. But I'd rather have that than Funko Pops. Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Chalk and cheese, man. Definitely. Night and day. I'm quite down with that Funko Pop talk. <laughs> <laughs> Cujo, the usurper. Uh, you just want to watch the world burn, don't you? Not yet. Well, I, I mean, I recently saw an, uh, an amazing Kami uh, Bishojo figure at, uh, at our most recent gaming convention here. I was about to throttle you. I thought you were going to tip towards Funko Pop again. No, screw An Funko amazing Kami? Kami? Kami. Yeah, it's Kami from Street Fighter, and it's such a cool Bishojo figure. And uh, I'm if those G.I. Joes look almost half as good as she does, ooh, I might be tempted. Because he did do a Ghostbuster as well. Ghostbuster girl. Which also had me very tempted, but uh, yeah. Then I bought Joe's. <laughs> I was gonna buy that cute, sexy anime statue, but then I bought Joe's. But then I bought Joe's. <laughs> da, 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 but then I bought Joe's. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> sure. So, Live mic. Gents, any other uh, burning Flint Duke uh, points you'd like to raise, Dave? Yeah, as far as the, the cartoon goes. I, I tried to do a quick tally, um, and it came up really close, actually. But uh, Flint Flint came up top with 50 episodes, and Duke with 49 episodes. Um, wow. And then Flint Flint did three of the PSAs, while Duke didn't do any of them. And uh, Flint, the reason why I'm into Transformers as well, too was that he was the only Joe to cross over as, as well as, you know, Cobra Commander. And mm. uh, his daughter, him, him and Lady J's daughter, Marissa Fairborn, was actually a recurring recurring character in season three of Transformers. Damn, oh. dude. Yeah. That's very cool. But uh, Flint was never a playable character in any video games. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh. You know he got me on that one. Feel oh, the man. burn, baby. Yes. <laughs> oh no, you can't. And was not Sergeant Stone. Your research is, is is impressive. Oh thank you. Yeah. Bill and, and also Bill Ratner, um Flint, he he reprised his roles in, you know, those uh, those adult ca- cartoons, uh in three cartoons, Family Guy, Robot Chicken, and the recent community. Um while Duke Nice Duke, I think he Michael Bell only did community and he only played um duke's father in gi joe renegades hmm. wow but then you know he did everything else so he's yeah he okay. did yeah he was yeah he was voicing a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of characters on gi joe but i i think it's pretty cool that your games as well bill ratner was was focused on flint throughout the series hmm. keep coming back to this guy yeah man i always wonder how profound or not profound, these characters are, because you have to reach back through the sands of time. Like, I mean, it was a gig, and it occupied them perhaps, you know, six months out of the year for two years, maybe three years at the max. Um, man. So, Cabal, I assume you would like an artwork of Flint, then. I mean, 
because <laughs> I still haven't got you on. Oh, so. yes, yes. <laughs> you know what? I will probably take that flint from you, Paul. Cool, man. And so it shall be done. <laughs> the reason Paul uh, made mention of uh, Flint's hairline in particular was at that very moment he was using the Tiger Force version as a reference for uh, a very sweet sketch, which I'm laying eyes on right oh, now. Sweet. Thanks, man. Yep. It's a good likeness. Thanks, man. Kind of adds something different. Uh, hopefully we can make that public. Yeah, we can. We can take a photo of it. In the in a few seconds. Wonderful, and we'll pop it up on Facebook and uh, just to keep you happy, Cooge. Twitter as well. <laughs> nice, Cooge. Have you seen my? I've been exploding on the Twitter sphere as of late due to Inktober. I was on the road, but you put links. I I don't bump links, man. No, no, dude. I hear you, but all I'm doing is I'm just posting it on Instagram and letting it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, do its uh, its own thing. I'm actually not even supervising. My Twitter with it. I'm just going. I'm just clicking. I'm not really that hot on any platform really right now. Everything seems a little played, but I I think people do get work from Instagram. So yeah, keep bumping that. Oh no, I'm just having fun with it. This is just my way of keeping uh, being accountable. Well, you're obviously not American, where we can't waste any action that's not commercialized. You know, (laughs) we don't know how to make money down here. (laughs) We're hopeless. We just know how to make trouble. I was gonna Uh... say cuck, but. We, we make Before trouble. we move on to our, uh, what was it, our one thing we would change about our past collecting? I'm curious, Cabal. You, you got yeah. you got some kids, do you not? Do, what, yes. what toys do they reach for? Because you got you got a bunch of different ones. Right. I yeah. I got I got three girls. Two of them, uh, they they play a lot with the toys. Um, they they play with like My Little Pony and stuff like that. But I occasionally slip in some. G.I. Joe, Joe vehicles, and they were actually playing one of the, they played with the M, MMC, MCC, sorry. Um, they, they really enjoyed playing with that as kind of like their dollhouse. I've recently heard that exact same word for my MCC in the last three days. That exact same word was used. Uh, did it have something to do with a certain red-haired German woman? Yes. Mm. She did happen to mention that it reminded her of, of a dollhouse and that it would be really cool if she was younger. <laughs> a dollhouse with missile launches. <laughs> those right, those are coat racks, thank you. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, ask your lady what she thinks the Eye of Africa was. Next, next episode. Yes, I will ask her. Thank you. you. I will ask her. Cobra Law, peeps. Dave, it was very heartwarming to me that uh, you uh, took some pictures of your daughter playing with the Mega Marines. Yes. Yeah. How cool was that, man? And actually using play, uh, Playmobil, uh, Play-Doh. I suppose you got some fresh Play-Doh in because that stuff, the original stuff, wouldn't have lasted. Right. Surely. Yeah. 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 That was a that was a fun one to do. Like you know, using that. Um, the monstro viper and, and putting the play-doh in his chest and then kind of throwing it at them that, that was a fun a fun one to do did they use the molds to create the bio armor for the mega marines yes yes I, I found um those those yeah those armors and we put them on the the figures so that that was kind of a fun play date with the with them so Excellent. you know yeah i i think that stuff hit uh, me at the at the sweet spot, like I was just about to be too old for it, but I caught it when it was kind of cool, like to have destructible armor um, and to like actually 
take out you know damage on 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 a figure's armor without actually damaging the figure i think a lot of us had that that urge and we kind of uh, many of us wrecked our figures as a result yep hot screwdrivers baby there we go paul <laughs> is an example of that me i i left my joes well alone i decided to administer that kind of torture <laughs> to the, core. the well the core but also like like crappy figures like i don't know the kind of inexpensive ones the, the ben, bendable figures stuff like that oh yeah no. those guys would get soldering irons through their eyes oh ignite kill gumby now Do but it. at, at least yeah the, the mega marines allowed you the opportunity to to gouge holes out of your gi joe essentially without actually destroying your toy mm. and that is a fantastic segue thank you gentlemen perfect We're going to close out the show with a little nostalgia topic that I've been ruminating for some time. If you could go back in time and be your child self again, back in the heyday of your adventures with G.I. Joe and toys in general, would you do anything differently? And this can be in a kind of a collecting frame of mind or just the way you would play with your toys and the way you would enjoy your toys with your friends. Does anything particular come to mind, gentlemen, when I jog your memory as to how you used to play and what you used to collect and what you used to do to them? Paul, I, I have a sneaking suspicion what your answer is going to be along the lines of. Um, if you're thinking, I wish I would, uh, I would have used, uh, I, I would have started using eBay sooner. That's uh, okay, but I mean, like, that's you're hopeless. That, that's a very practical thing to say. Um, I think you have me to blame for your GI Joe resurgence. Is that right? I, can I take credit for that? You can take some of that. You know what you were? You were proof that it can be done. You see, up until when I met you, I was having the G.I. Joe dreams. And I was not... I never forgot about this toy line. I was always consistently ordering graphic novels and or comic books for G.I. Joe. Um, I think a year or so prior to meeting you, I got Bellamo's book. Hmm. Uh, that also reignited a few things. Uh, in me, I and actually, of course, you got the rise of Cobra action figures, which were locally distributed. Which were locally distributed, mm. which was, I mean, that that didn't hurt. Um, but then you sort of pitched up, and then you know we became friends, and then you brought over like the Phantom X19. You uh, reacquainted me with the Warthog, and then I got to meet the modern era GI Joe figures through you, and uh, then I learned about the sort of <laughs> the powers of eBay. And I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I, I, I the great think evils, the great evil bear. Yeah. I, and I think that's kind of a small regret for me. Uh, well, not, I don't want to say regret, but <laughs> Paul's regret to... is that he didn't have a credit card at the age of four <laughs> and the internet wasn't a thing. <laughs> it wasn't a thing. Oh my goodness. No, I, but I mean, like if I think about like my childhood, I really wish I had kept much, a much closer eye on my toys, on my GI Joes growing up and. I wish I'd never like sort of modified them and then sort of try to paint uh, over them and stuff. Cause that was ultimately the fall of my GI Joes. Hmm. Yeah. Perhaps a cautionary tale to people that are flirting with, uh, customizing. Mm. Oh, I mean, particularly, yeah. Figures that you just can't easily get back mm. and childhood figures are such figures. Like you can buy another, duke but you can't buy back your duke if you know what i mean yeah 
Hmm. <laughs> no, that's that, that's why I'm very lucky that over time, you know, I've found my original hawk, and I have found parts to make up what you call it, heavy duty. And you know, over the course of the last few years, you know, digging in toy boxes and going in the garage and sort of finding legs here and arms there and heads here and whatever's in le in boxes of Lego and whatnot. So that's been cool. But yeah, I I think uh, if Knowing what I know, what I know now. Maybe I wouldn't have bought any GI Joes. I mean, if I if I if I went back in time and I saw young me playing with toys, I think I would say, "Don't worry, play with your toys." Maybe I have done this already. Maybe I have actually gone back in time and gone to my past self and like <laughs> said, "Listen, don't worry, just enjoy this and play with it, and uh, something cool is gonna happen with GI Joe for you." So you just keep just keep on keeping on, and. Uh, and then I probably changed the way that I, I met Larry Homer. I mean, that that would be really cool. I'd love to sort of redo that. <laughs> uh -huh. um, not that anything tragic happened, obviously. It's just that, you know, as South Africans, firstly, we're foreigners in America. And secondly, you know, meeting this uh, this awesome dude who's created something that we really love. Um, yeah, they, I mean, the man, you know, whether we wanted to ha put him there or not, he was on a pedestal and it was very difficult to initially approach him you know so uh but then you know <laughs> you know that you know that's all hmm cooge how about you buddy kind of triggered me when you said you would have met hama differently i don't know if i would have met him differently but there's really no game plan for hama like you just are there for the experience and he's going to drop some pearls on you it's it's, it's pretty wild no, I I get that, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 cool. Have you have you met Hama yet, Cabal? No, I have not. All right, if he makes it out here again, we gotta both go, yeah. Yes, yes, sir, definitely. All right, I'm gonna hold you to that. Yes. Um, I think my biggest regret is knowing how hard it is to come across a snake, uh, a V1 Snake Eyes and a Stalker, and getting both those figures in one day on a trade looking at them for about an hour, then putting them in my backpack, putting my backpack in the back of the truck, that thing blew out. <gasps> That's uh, traumatic, man. Like, oh. I can't wait until we have the podcast with that guy that's like one one of the best G.I. Joe stories of my life is finding <laughs> a backpack <laughs> with stories. <laughs> He's probably a Cowboys fan. It was like a hand-me-down Cowboys vest if you're out there. Strange things like that have probably happened. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I... I've run into some very odd odd situations like that in my life. Carry on. That uh, Cujo, I hope we meet that guy. I think that's uh, the full circle for you. It's a great side topic, man. The lost figures. Like, for you, it was V1 Snake Eyes and V1 Stalker. For me, it was... <laughs> uh, V3 Storm Shadow. Far less uh, famed figure, but... Man, I was sad when I left that guy on the train... In London, I think, of all places. Just mm. the that spur. It could happen. I mean, uh, G.I. Joburg's been ending up in some strange places. I had a friend tell me he was at college, and uh, he was sitting in the library, and somebody was listening to our podcast out in the open in the in a, an arena of academia. Isn't that wow. weird? Yeah. Oof. I I I'd love to believe that, to... but I believe that about as much as I believe that we're getting four thousand downloads per episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Ninja Force is downloading us. 
it's, a, it's, a, it's they're bots, guys. Bots. Stop that. David, yes. you got any regrets, man? Or any anything yeah. you do differently? It doesn't have to be a regret necessarily. Because goodness knows, we must have done a few things right to wind up still at this, you know, ripe old age, being so in love with these toys uh, as, as, as ever. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things cause that I would do differently, because um, I had all the figures, like... It, it was there, but one thing that I would do differently is is definitely get into that uh, photography game. Just like taking pictures of, you know, how of how I would set up these Joes, or just take pictures with my collections to keep for for later on. I, I wish I, I wish I had access to like any camera yeah. back then yeah. and just like you know take pictures of them outside or you know pose with them, whatever. Because uh, I, I, I'm jealous of all those, you know, the pictures that that the guys would post on Facebook of just them, you know, uh, playing with their figures, figures and stuff like that. So, and even mm-hmm. Steve, you know, he got he got to hold a, a carded figure in his school, you know, that, that, <laughs> that's pretty cool, you know, just to, to oh, rep. Good memory, buddy. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good Christmas. I got that uh, V3 Snake Eyes. Well, no, the the V V two stalker with the kayak. I got sort of last day of, of preschool that year, and then the Christmas of that same year, I got uh, the V three snake eyes, and they were they were a, a great counterparts to have for one another. I mean, you had stalker in all white and well white in the camo with the kayak, and you had snake eyes dressed to kill with enough implements to do so. Gee whiz, creepy parallel. Cut- it's just to just count off all the the, the, the the armaments that this guy came with. The blowgun, the three-section staff, the uh, the grenades, the knives. Oh, man. Too cool. Um, I still say I'd take that stuff over uh, Timberwolf any day. But I think it's that loss, you know, that we've lost those figures to time and we've lost some pieces and bits and bobs and whatever to to the passage of time that I think is maybe helped us love this line as much as we do i well it's kind of invested these toys with a mythical state yeah status. there you go so they it's... are they are avatars but they're also time machines mm. you know I, I put one of those old school figures in the palm of my hand and i'm transported back to being you know seven years old again i'm gonna Amazing. share something with you guys now that i haven't shared on this podcast before what but i was digging in the garden i mean this is years ago i think i was in like high school still and I saw this, like, bright green neon piece uh, just outside here in the sort of rockery garden that we have here. Was it rapid fire? No, it was old uh, sci-fi's leg. Oh, wow. And I cried, dude. <laughs> I actually sure. cried. It was this big, like, nostalgic, weeping moment. I was just like, this G.I. Joe toy, why can't I look after this shit better? you were brutal, dog. I don't know what happened to that. That must have been a dog or something over the passage of time. It could have been Snoopy or Humphrey or something back in the day. Yeah, we have such cool dog names. I've changed that now. We have cool dog names now. But Dave, you triggered something in me just now. Like by saying, you know, you're remiss that you you, you didn't chronicle your, your, your youth with G.I. Joe through photographs. Now that I'm into podcasting and have been for, you know... I suppose the better part of a decade now. Mm. Is that right, Paul? Yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah, jeez. Um, I think there's some magic in maybe dictating or chronicling your adventures. Like I wish that 
back in the day, and I mean, I used to have a dictaphone. I used to do this for for other things, but I wished I had recorded not so much the games I was playing while I was playing them, but like have a kind of a a post match report. Like it would have been so cool if I kind of spoke to my friends on record about the game, the adventure that we just had. Like that to me would be such a fascinating um chronicle yeah uh, yeah man that that would be amazing dear and friends I wonder, I wonder if anyone ever did that because i know i used to i used to actually interrogate my buddies after we played a game like okay what was the high point what was the low point like what did you really enjoy did you see this twist coming like i used to be quite uh, Would you recommend the story to your friend? <laughs> <laughs> Don't trivialize me, Paul. No. But yeah, I, I used to take great pride in orchestrating an adventure for my friends, like creating a plot line and and then seeing how it unfurled and enjoying their contributions and how that would adapt the plot mm. and the way we play. You know, because everyone has a different style and, and they add something fresh into the pot. I mean, my buddy Alistair was all about guns and action. Rob was more about scene work, interrogation, plotting, conversation. Um, and me, I think, I think it all, like the, the high point of every game for me was giving a briefing and just imagining the mission ahead. The execution of it would kind of go by the numbers, mm. but like discussing it, laying it out there, that always... Just set my mind alight. Hmm. But yeah, if there's something I would have done differently, I would have kept better records. Because, man, I love this stuff. And it only exists in my memory. I did write down a few adventures, but they pertain mainly to this kind of sci-fi alternate game that I used to play called Shifters. I think I've spoken about it before on this podcast. Hmm. That's me. Yeah, we. Oh, oh, that's everyone. We've done. Everyone's. Mm, been, yeah. We did it. We did it all. We did all the things. We did all the things. We spoke we all even, the words. We didn't even think we were going to get through the nostalgia section. <laughs> we didn't get. We even went back to the future. It was amazing. Gentlemen, I think it's it's time to call it a night or a day for you folks in uh, sunny Southern California. Sunny yeah. SoCal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Happy Columbus Day. <laughs> did I get that right? Oh, I'll speak on Columbus come Ooh. Thanksgiving. I'll see you in Cobra Lodge, gentlemen. Well, on your way out, I'll let you know that... Uh, <laughs> it's so typical. Of course, it had to happen this way. Oh. The, uh, yeah. The uh, results of our poll. The results of the poll. On Facebook, in third position with 10 votes. This is our chopper battle from last episode, gents. Uh, on Facebook, with 10, 10 votes, we have the Dreadnought Swampfire. With 14 <laughs> votes, the G.I. Joe Locust. Mm. And with 34 votes, sorry, Cooge, not 33 votes, <laughs> we have the Cobra Fang. 34 people got fangs for Christmas, and that is just how they were going to play this game. Uh, Twitter goes a little bit further. They decide to give us percentages, how, how very... Uh, very mathematical of them. Mm. The Locust 
is in third place with 19%. <laughs> Swamp Fire is in the middle with 20%. <laughs> and the Fang is in first place with 61%. So congratulations, Cujo. You picked a winner, buddy. But actually, I think it was. But whatever. I inherited a talent, <laughs> a talented team. I just kind of went along for a ride. <laughs> yeah, well, your Fang replete with uh, his driver pilot. No, I'll, I'll tip my cap to to uh, HCC on that one. He definitely when you when when you say, "Oh, the his driver's in the Fang," you have to visualize it, you know, and then you're engaged. Well, they did feature the his drivers flying Fangs in that comic book issue where the dreadnoughts lay waste to a sky striker at oh, mcguire air force base yeah. and then the joes attack with rams and apcs and the mobats maybe the wolverine and, uh, and, and yeah cobra commander is in a his tank and there are a couple of fangs flying around and they are definitely his tank drivers in the fang mm. cockpits yeah. fancy yeah it's it's canonic yeah I'm not going to gloat with the hiss. The hiss did all the work, you know? The fang. Uh, yeah, the fang. Thank you. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Piloted by the hiss driver. So. This is Cujo pays attention in class. No, no. It's all Cobra, baby. It's all good. It is. Uh, Dave, which which way did your vote go, buddy? Oh, man. I think you know, Steve. Because in I the G.I. Joe, Joe movie, uh, Flint rode a swamp fire. Uh, and he... Uh, he helped out uh, Big Lob when Big Lob did his own uh, kamikaze. He uh, he jumped on uh, Flint's swamp fire. So uh, nice. you know, I got I gotta I gotta go Flint's uh, um, vote on that one. Yeah, I had your back all along because you see, while I said in the episode that Zorana was piloting my swamp fire, she pulls off her mask and lo and behold, it's that chiseled, grinning chin under there it's flint he managed <laughs> to stuff his beret under the mask as well it's, it's all yeah. there you can just imagine flint's head zorana's body what did he do it. for boobs <laughs> pex dude pex yes, yes. <laughs> i don't know i don't know what I i'm talking about from a distance delirious. you know maybe i don't know if you're squinting and, and you just see pink hair and zorana's and figure trill. has got a bit of a manly bald i'm not gonna not gonna lie. Not the modern era figure. The modern era figure's got like a gorgeous, a gorgeous build. Yeah. Good luck getting your hands on one of them's. Yeah, I have two, but don't <sighs> tell people. Rub it in everyone's face. Humble, Paul, not humble. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Please hey, do. Listen, you got to give me a break. It's the only exclusive I own. Literally, the only San Diego Comic Con exclusive I own, and probably will ever own. So. Yeah, it's baby. getting wobbly, guys. 2019, we gotta do it. Gotta do it, Joe Fest. Joe Fest and SDCC. Yeah. Come on, come on, oh, come yeah. on, yeah, yeah. Cabal, let's do it. Yes, sir. We gotta, we gotta meet up. I've been meaning Home to catch turf. up with you. Mm-hmm. And you guys can talk Gundam. <laughs> Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. Yes, sir. I mean, we could shoot the breeze for hours. I feel like. We've always known you, man. We finally get to have the pleasure of your voice on the show, but, like, you've been a voice with G.I. Joburg since, well, since the beginning, man. Mm. It's uh, it's a thrill to me that you found us in the same vein as you found Michelle, as you found G.I. Joe again, found the love. It's uh, it's cool that we can, uh, I don't know, be mentioned in the same breath and, and fulfill that function. 
Definitely. And yeah, man, this is this is a huge honor. Thank you so much, guys. This was like my first podcast debut, and I'm glad that I did <laughs> oh. it with uh, What's with your Venmo? <laughs> Just joking. Never mind. I thought that joke was gonna oh. hit. Never mind. Oh wait, well, oh. I'm sorry. I, didn't, what, what I don't even know what a Venmo means. What the heck? Well he gave us he said he was honored, so that was my the checks in the mail, but the modern spin. Uh, That's all right. It'll probably hit in a couple years, you know. All right. Venmo. <laughs> Must be an American thing. But <laughs> let let me let me spin my way out. Since yo, yo. it's I, um turning it back to HCC. Uh, he he made a little joke on his most recent uh, review, uh, which you should all watch. Um, but he said that don't tell don't tell anybody you learned a swear word for me. Tell him GI Joe Berg told you. Um, <laughs> yeah. which, um, we do keep I'm, it down to a mild roar, but yeah, we're not entirely. I'm, uh, I'm gonna take it as a as as a turn of, of endearment, really, because I kind of like that people have to listen to us in their headphones. I mean, how often do you get to be alone? We deep cover, man. Yeah, yeah. You should listen to Joburg in the headphones, and anytime <laughs> I'm on, you'll know why. You know what I mean? Because crazy shit could happen. Do not listen to us in the community library, or is this a no. college library? Oh my goodness! University library. That. <laughs> or kindergarten. Maybe we're the new South Park. I think if uh, if I ever tag myself out of Joburg, uh, I'm gonna tag you in, Cabal. Uh, you got you got some great. Great Flint research. That was impressive, man. Definitely, yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was a chore too, but it, I, I loved doing it, getting all those information about him. Sweet. All right, gents. It's time to say goodbye. All right. This is episode one hundred and twenty-nine. GI Joburg. Thanks for listening, guys. And you too could be a guest on the show. <laughs> Just let us know. Uh, if you want to come on and talk some Joe, if you've got a particular topic in mind, we are always, always interested. And we've got some interesting new developments to our Bitter Ender uh, project, which, uh, yeah, we should definitely do an update on. Mm. It's exciting times, boys and girls. Hasbro might have dropped the ball for us, but we're going to keep the torch Flying high. <laughs> Mixed metaphors for the win. Uh, all right, my name's Steve, and I'm out. Cujo out. Uh, uh, this is uh, Paul... Away? <laughs> this is Paul. Away! No, Paul. Launching you. <laughs> and new recruit Cabal, signing out. <laughs> And very patient new recruit for waiting for Paul to kind of get that one in the can. Yeah, Paul, thanks, man. Thanks. Cool, boys. That's us. Thank you so much, Dave. Yo, Joe. And just when you thought it was safe to take your earbuds out, think again. As was our fashion of late, we're going to convert tonight's podcast into a poll coming to YouTube and Facebook wherein you will decide who is your true field leader of G.I. Joe. Is it Duke or is it Flint? Has Dave Cabal managed to sway your vote towards the beret-wearing ladies' man of G.I. Joe? <laughs> Stay tuned for next episode when we reveal the results. And yo Joe. <laughs> Berg. <laughs>